back to Good Moms, Bad Choices. I'm Erica. And I'm Mila. And happy Wednesday, guys. Hope you guys are having a great week and uh, staying warm or staying cool, depending on where the fuck you are. <laughs> um, we're in New York City. and uh, Trying to stay warm, a.k.a. not sick. Well, if you hear Jamila's voice, you can tell that she didn't accomplish that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sick. <laughs> Um, we have a really special guest today that I'm really excited to share with you guys. We have Jody Patterson, who Hello. is a social activist, a mother of five, author, and just overall amazing woman. I used to be a circus acrobat. I, yeah, <laughs> I heard that. Yeah. When did that happen? True. Oh years and years ago, but it was something that I loved. I was a gymnast, and then I went into the circus, and I was one of those like acrobats on the top of the top of the pile of people flipping around. That's amazing. That's amazing. It was fun. How did you even learn? Did you go to like acrobat school? I went to circus. I trained circus at the circus. School? That's amazing. Literally in trained at the circus in New York. Um, it was when the Big Apple Circus first started. So I think we were in uh, Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Um, and I trained with all the like animals and the acrobats and the jugglers. Wow. And the, it was a lot of fun. But it was, it was based in gymnastics and then it kind of just expanded into circus training. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I was telling Jamila, I was like texting her yesterday. I was like, woman has literally done everything. I'm like, how is she good at everything? Stripper. <laughs> yeah. Exotic dancer. I was like, exotic dancer for a month. <laughs> went on a road trip. I'm like, like, she sounds like my type of gal. I'm like, yeah. where's Chiba Studios, D'Angelo, Diddy, Vibe. Yeah. I'm Yay, like, music. Fashion. But you know what? All of the, With all of those things, they seemed right in, the, in those moments. And I think right now, I can't even imagine myself in fashion. I can't imagine myself in music. I can't imagine myself in beauty. You know, the circus is many, many moons ago, and it feels like all of that led to what I'm doing now. That's amazing. As yeah. it should. Mm-hmm. I feel like more women um, more women should be, like, encouraged to try more things. I think so often we're put in a box. Like, if you're good at this, you can't possibly be good at other things, mm-hmm. you know? like Or pick a path. Right. Yeah. Or even, like, that whole thing where you're supposed to stay at a company for X amount of years before you move so that you're... Incredible. Yeah. I'm like, why? I don't think I've ever stayed at a company for longer than six to 12 months. Wow. <laughs> I, 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 I like, tried to like, me- measure it out. I think I like by 12 months in, I had a new idea. I had a new um, passion. And they all just sort of fell into place. And so I don't think I stayed anywhere very long. I think people must have thought it was flighty, but it was um, incremental learning. What do you, what, how do you think that you were able to, like, what was, growing up, like, what gave you that confidence that you can just kind of do anything? I mean, I, I read your book, and I know that. Thank you. Yeah, and I know that you come from a, a strong line of women mm-hmm. and a very strong father as well. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, a lot, a lot of the people in my family were activists, so they weren't tied to um, corporations. They were driven by ideas and moral ideals. And so I think with that idea that we were, that I was more attached to like um, concepts and you know the way we want the world to be, not a company, gave me um, freedom to move around. So I think uh, the activist in my family, and then a lot of us were entrepreneurs as well. So I never really saw myself, I saw myself as the brand, not the company as the brand. Um, so when I was working with D'Angelo or when I was working with Zach Posen, I felt like I was sort of the same person moving through, bringing them my talent, you know, kind of 
offering them my talent as opposed to like trying to fit into their culture. Mm. I don't know if that was the best thing or the worst thing, <laughs> but I don't know. It was just, I never felt fear. I guess, oh. I think that's why you've been able to bounce around because yeah. because you lead not with fear. My grandmother, I'm rem now I'm rem remembering everything. My grandmother told me one year, she goes, I think I was just divorcing my first husband and she goes, um, there are so many men and so many jobs. Never cry over either. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? And she married five times and had this really robust career. So I, I don't know. Five times. Five times. One wow. man she married twice. Wow. <laughs> so it comes on time she did a bad bat. Yeah, she did a bad bat. Um, how many times have you been married? Twice. Okay. Would you be married again? Absolutely. Oh, you would do it again? Oh, for sure. Oh, cool. I'm going to get married. Okay. <laughs> Just watch me. The whole um, thing, too, like the in the traditional sense? Wedding, I don't know. I've never had ceremony. a traditional ceremony. Oh, okay. So I was, the, my first marriage was to a man named Serge Becker, and we went to the courthouse. Um, I was in, like, some jeans. I think we were, like, wearing jeans, you know, two minutes before going to work. Mm -hmm. And then my second relationship, we never married um, legally at all. We just had a bunch of children that lived together for 15 years. Um, and... This one, you know, I would love it. I love ceremonies, so that would be really romantic to me and important, but I'm also really practical, and I've got kids who need tuition. Right. So I'm like, I don't know, do I want to pay hundreds of dollars for some salad and some dessert for folks? Right, right. It's still insane. <laughs> it is, it is. But yeah, I do have these fantasies about um, family and friends joining in on a ceremony. For my next love. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I was almost married once and I almost spent <laughs> a shit ton of money. Yeah. Thank God, thank you God for looking out because it didn't happen. Yeah. Thank you God for so many reasons. But I feel looking back on that now, I think about if I were ever to do that again, what would I do? And honestly, I'm cool with my backyard. Like, I'm, oh, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, too. like I just want a backyard boogie. Yep. I want, I do want a nice ring. And like, <laughs> <Me too. laughs> give that ring, spend that money on that ring. Right. Let's go on a really dope vacation. Right. I think that's kind of what a lot of people say because I mean, we we had this. My boyfriend and I have this conversation all the time um, about not spending money on plates and dishes and. Um, salmon, right? Doing something backyard and doing something with my kids and with him on a trip afterwards to travel and then something really pretty on my hand. Right, yeah. Well, I overall, love pretty things. I love jewelry. So do I. Um, what woman does it? <laughs> does your boyfriend have any kids? Yeah, he's a daughter. Okay, nice. Mm -hmm. how, does, how do you guys integrate the family dynamic? Like, did you wait or like... Like how long did you wait? If not, like how did it all how did it all work? Because everyone has their own you know process. Yeah. So we met when we were working together. Mm -hmm. He's an activist. I'm an activist. He speaks on trans rights um, and, tra and 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 trans lives, and I speak on the same topics. Um, and so we've worked together and shared the stage together for years, and then we became really good friends, and then we started um, seeing each other. We are both going through breakups. Mm -hmm. We both have children. I have five, he has one. Um, he has, um, he lives in New York now. His daughter lives in Canada. So there's a lot of distance between my kids and his child. Mm -hmm. So they don't, they haven't integrated yet. He is integrated fully with my kids. Um, and how did we do it? We did it carefully, well, we did it respectfully, I think. Um, I asked my children, we, even before I met him, how would they feel if I had a boyfriend? Mm. They unanimously said, absolutely, sounds great. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome. They have, like, big smiles on their face. They're Aww. like, I said, do you know what a boyfriend means? 
because they were so happy about it. I was like, do you understand what? I'll be like sharing space with them and they'll be in the house and we'll be, let's be in the same bed together and kissing. They're like, we understand, mom. <laughs> like, yeah, we Yeah, we it. get it. <laughs> um, so they were ready and he's a great guy and it worked out pretty smoothly. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, well, we wanted to play a little game with you to just, you know, get to know you pretty quickly and let our audience get to know you quickly and then take it from there. Okay. So it's this game called Trigger and basically what we do is we say a word and you say the first thing that comes to mind. So it's try to go quick. Okay. Don't, don't overthink it. Okay. Okay. You ready? Yep. Love. Dick. Ooh. <laughs> okay. We're going there. Amen. 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 I don't know why. It just came to my mouth. Okay. Um, Marriage. Love. Purpose. Me. College. Spellman. Black women. Spellman. Zodiac sign. Leo. Forever. (laughs) Peppy. Chewing with your mouth open. Spellman. Dr. Cole. Loyalty. Sisterhood. Celebrity crush. Don't have. Favorite food. Lamb. The United States. This is America. Pregnancy. Ooh, yes. Gender. Obsolete. Worst habit. Okay. Best memory. Ooh, five babies, four births, and making them. Vibe magazine. Mmm. It was a weird time. I don't have a word for that. That was like, it took me on a pause for a minute. <laughs> um, divorce, because I was going through a divorce. Okay. Parenthood. Mothering, building. Sex. Tonight. Strippers. Cash. Equality. For real. Boxers or briefs? Briefs. White, White briefs. White women. That's them. That's them. <laughs> I don't have that. That's them. LGBTQ plus. My family. Drink of choice. Tequila. Hey. <laughs> Favorite music genre. Revolution. Joy. Today. My phone just died. Jesus Christ. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> oh, joy. Joy. And we're done. And we're done. Okay. Well, that was cool. <laughs> that was short. Like, there's about 20 more, but... Oh, for real? Yeah, it's okay. You gotta keep your phone plugged. <laughs> right. Girl, it's always dying. Same with me. Just, like, like, why can't not di- get this battery? It's dying in my home. It's like... I'm, I'm dying while I'm plugged in. Like, it's going down while I'm still plugged <laughs> in. Cow. I don't understand this. <laughs> you're addicted. Yeah. <laughs> On it constantly. Um... So, you said your family, yeah. LGBTQ, obviously we, you're, you said you're a trans activist. Mm-hmm. Me and Jamila, like, we need to be educated. Okay. We, and we wanted to have you on because we need education. We need to understand, first of all, your son, I know, is, does he still, he goes by Penelope? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what are his pronouns? He, him, his. So, I, had a, I have five children. Um, my first is a, a girl named Georgia. And she's actually genderqueer. I found that out recently, um, and she described what that means to her. Can you explain what that means? Sure. I, I, it's, I think it's a loose term. It's not such a um, s- specific term, but the way she described it, sometimes she feels masculine and sometimes she feels feminine. Mm. Sometimes she presents feminine, sometimes she presents masculine. 
genderqueer. Queer meaning not um, exact. Okay. Um, not um, straight, necessarily. Mm -hmm. And then my second child is Cassius. He's a boy, a cisgender boy, identifies he him his. My third child is Penelope, I assumed girl, because of the anatomy. Um, but by three, Penelope clearly said, Mama, I'm a boy, I'm not a girl. Um, and then over the several years and months of research, months and years of research, I realized that Penelope is a transgender boy, or is a boy who identifies as a transgender person, mm -hmm. which means that um, the doctor prescribed Penelope um, girl because of Penelope's um, physical body, but Penelope identifies as boy because of the way Penelope's brain identifies him. So he's trans. And then my next child is a boy named, a boy who's um, cisgender and identifies boy. And then I've adopted a boy. Who a lot was, of boys. Yeah, a lot of boys. <laughs> a lot of one, basically a lot one girl of and four boys. Yeah. Um, but so, yes, and so um, I have a genderqueer kid. I have a trans kid. Um, I'm in a queer relationship. My boyfriend is transgender. So I feel like we're an LGBTQI plus family. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, <clears throat> if you keep talking, you will find out <laughs> new things. All I the know. Time. I'm like, okay. So your boyfriend mm -hmm. was born female. I would never say that, but um, well, born anatomy anatomy wise. I wouldn't even say that. I would just say that um, that he's a trans man. <laughs> That's how I say it. You know, I don't really talk about um, his body or your body or. Um, my children's bodies or people I love, I just don't like let them talk about their own bodies. But I would say he's a trans man, and if we understand what if we understand what transgender means, then we understand yeah. the implications of that. Um, prior to your experience with Penelope, mm -hmm. um, would you have been open to that relationship? You think? I don't even know if I would have thought about it. <laughs> I don't even know if I knew. I didn't know the word transgender. Um, I didn't really understand what queer meant. Um, yeah, I've been. I'm an open person. I grew up in New York. I'm like a native New Yorker. Mm -hmm. I was in the circus, <laughs> like, um, but I think that my flexibility wasn't around gender in that way. I just didn't think of it around gender. I thought gender was pretty straightforward, boy or girl, um, and it wasn't until my son defied that that I um, started to open up my life. And so in opening up my life and trying to understand my son, I opened up to new people. I've just met hundreds more people. My career changed. Um, how I spend my money, how I allocate money has changed. I support companies that are LGBT friendly. Where I send my kids to school has been redirected. I send them, send them to schools that are LGBT friendly. Um, how I vacation. We vacation in places that are LGBTQAI friendly. And because of that, the people I've met um, are much wider than ever before. So, you know, it's not like I was searching for any particular person, um, but I, my, my pool of, of people and experiences is much wider than ever before, just because I'm not, because I'm more open. Yeah. <laughs> I'm seeing things, like, right. think about it. We only see a certain fraction of life. We're only seeing a certain thing, a certain reality, but there are multiple realities happening at the same time. We just don't know of them. And I think a lot of straight people just don't know queer life. Well, how would you describe gender versus identity? Hmm. Sometimes I feel like I, I, I want to put gender on pause sometimes mm -hmm. because I'm not sure to say, oh, she's a girl or, oh, he's a boy. Mm -hmm. What does that tell us? 
I don't know if that tells us anything. I don't know if it's enough. Um, because how do girls think and how do boys behave? I don't know. Identity, for me, is a bit stronger. It tells you how I see myself. Right. What I like in this world. Um, how I want to interact. The paths I want to take. So, although gender is... Um, is a reality. I like to put it on pause sometimes. It doesn't always have to be in our language. Some languages don't even use gender pronouns. So I think, you know, I, every now and then I'm like, uh, gender's obsolete. <laughs> and I think it's also rigged, personally. Well, absolutely. I mean, I, I agree. Yeah. I mean, I, me and Jamila have this conversation all the time about, because we have daughters, so we have two girls mm-hmm. and they're both four. Mm-hmm. She's about to be five. I'm almost both five, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, the other day, or maybe like a few months ago, I was in my daughter's room and she was playing with these, I didn't even buy her this shit, but she was playing with like baby dolls and the stroller and mm-hmm. I was like, have this epiphany. I'm like, why are you doing this? Yeah. yeah. Why, why am I allowing this? What's going on? Like who is deciding that, so you feel like this is your role as a girl, mm-hmm. that you're supposed to take care of babies and be motherly and, and if that's if that comes naturally little then, kitchens mm-hmm. and little bassinets and shit like that yeah yeah and I think um so I saw my my Penelope reject everything pink all dresses no you know zero skirts reject um really wasn't like into dolls um wanted basketballs and trucks and really wanted to mimic brother and not really want to be around mom, mm-hmm. honestly, for, for, for the first few years. Um, wanted to be around dad. And then really, at one point, said, Mama, I love you, but I don't want to be you. I want to be Papa. So I think that, you know, but, but I have another child who identifies as boy as well, who likes makeup, right? And, you know, will go with his, would love to get a blow, uh, like a, a flat iron to his hair. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of in, like, in the vein of David Bowie. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't know about these things that we call girl things or boy things, um, I think that we just have things that we like to do and we do them or um, hopefully people will, you know, do the things that they want to do without the, um, the weight of is it a girl thing or a boy thing. If you look at it, in, um, if, you, if you really look at it, it's pretty silly. You know? No, truly. It's really silly. We put these old ideas on young minds. Girl diapers have butterflies. Boy diapers have like Trucks. superheroes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, um, it's pretty heavy. But in my house, I have, not, I have not found that all boys like trucks and all girls like dolls. I have a mix up. Did, is your household like gender neutral or it's just whatever they I would desire. say you would walk in and it looks pretty traditional. Like, you know, it doesn't scream... Um, <laughs> different different it doesn't scream queer it doesn't scream like i don't know we're not eating transgender spaghetti (laughs) you just walk in the house and i've got it looks like a very traditional house i've got order you know i need i have five kids so i have like coats hung up and shoes lined up and beds are made and um the refrigerator usually is stacked and i'm making dinner it is a pretty organized and orderly house um how however if you sort of peel back, you know, and sit with us for a while, you'll realize that uh, we're doing things, each person is doing things in their own way. So the kid who's really athletic, he's a star track athlete, and he's a star um, karate champion, he's a star basketball player. And he'll go into my closet and, 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 and pull out a bad outfit and put on a dress and some high heels. He might paint his nails, he might flat out his hair. 
you know, I don't know. So I don't, I don't have an answer for do we, are we at like a gender normative house or a gender fluid house? I just think all, I think all families have gender fluidity within them. They have trans stories within them. They have queer stories. We just haven't pulled back the layers. I think most people don't have the language, too. Because totally. I know I don't, and that's why I wanted to have you on, because I was like, I, I know I'm going to say something that's not correct, because yeah, I, and I, but I want to yeah. educate, and I want our, our listeners, too, because I know that we have listeners who, who whose kids are mm-hmm. are trying to figure it out. And as parents who, who, who maybe grew up religious yep. or... Even in the black community, I mean, it's like, we don't talk about this type no. of shit. Like, and we really just want our kids, I think, you know, and I can speak from just as a mom, we want to we want to protect our kids, we want to give them a real take on life and not sort of confuse them with things that don't um, serve them. And so I get that idea of like this, that where people feel that this idea of examining gender is a, a useless, kind of confusing topic. But what I found is, if you really just let your kids if you listen to your kids, they're telling you those old rules don't apply. So we can force them into those old rules, see how far that goes, right? Mm-hmm. Usually it ends with like suicidal tendencies, um, depression, depression, addiction, homelessness, all those kinds of things come from not being seen and not fulfilling your purpose, oftentimes. Not always, but oftentimes. And so I think, you know, if black folks are really ripe and prime to handle this because we've always been talking about self-determination. Black folks have always said, I don't care what you call me, I know who I am. I don't care how you see me, I know who I am. And that's the biggest thing. Like My kid is saying, Mama, let me tell you who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm a kid who likes this and that. Right? I'm a kid who wants his name to be to remain Penelope and I see myself as a boy. I'm a kid who likes basketball and writing. Mm-hmm. And so I can just accept that. Right. It's no big deal. In the end of it all, like I want my kid to be alive and happy so I can I can take all that. I mean, I find that even like in my my dad, he's from the South, he's mm-hmm. very traditional, and he would argue that kids are too young to know what sure. they want and who the, who they are. And when I was reading your book, I mean I and I do disagree, and we've had debates mm-hmm. for ages and ages, but um, when I was reading your book, Penelope was two years old mm-hmm. when she, when he, sorry, mm-hmm. started to. It's actually the exact time when the brain. It's it's a scientific reject um, the process. The, the things you were trying to put on him, the shoes yeah. and yeah. the clothes mm-hmm. and. But all brains. It's not even just Penelope's brain or transgender brains. All brains, if you study brain activity, around three years old, start to identify. They say who. Am I in this world? They place the person itself in the world. Mm-hmm. So around three years old, the brain has a process of identification. And then again, several years later, and then again. So there's multiple stages of identification. And three is around that first time. So Penelope is like just right on time. It's not, he wasn't actually um, super early. He just was very verbal mm-hmm. about what the brain naturally was doing. He was able to express himself. Totally. <clears throat> um, and that's the kind of voice <clears throat> you have. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think it's interesting, like, it all really boils down to programming. Mm-hmm. And I always think about it as, like, this is not a good way to put it, but it makes it really clear, like, domesticating a pet. You know, you know, <laughs> you know we have a child, mm-hmm. and then we socialize them. And then, you know, based on what the, the doctor checks off at, the, at, at birth, then you get that blanket yeah. and that ugly hat that has a bow on it, <laughs> you know. And um, even as a child... 
I was super like I remember not understanding like I've always liked women I always liked people I'm pansexual someone told me I was queer but I'm not really sure what that means yet and what does pansexual mean um I like people yeah. It doesn't matter like gotcha. how you identify, gotcha. um, and I didn't. So that would be that would fall into the umbrella of queer. Queer, yeah. Queer is like undefinable. It's not you know. You can't put me here yeah. or there, and I remember asking like my parents like, "Are we supposed to like people for people?" <laughs> if I put a wall up and I started communicating on the other side of the wall with someone without voice or without seeing them, mm-hmm. if I love them. That's all that would matter, right? Totally. That was literally how I remember. How old were you? When I was probably like six. Um, so it seemed... And what did they say? I you know my dad, like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this was a great quote. I was reading it on um, my boyfriend's um, Instagram page. It says, not queer like gay, queer like escaping definition, queer like some sort of fluidity and timeless and limitlessness at once, queer like a freedom too strange to be conquered, queer like fearlessness to imagine what love can look like and pursue it. I think how beautiful, yeah, how beautiful to just love. And I think without expectation, without like, oh, well, you have to be a man for me to love you. You have to be a, a cis man mm-hmm. for me to marry you. And because that's how we associate like procreation. Mm-hmm. Um, I, what really spoke to me in your, like, your book was just like, we have, we have children and they come straight from the source. And then we put our bullshit on them. Mm-hmm. And in reality, if we sit back and actually let our children guide us, they are closer to the source. So they're going to be more pure. They're going to be less tainted with uh, these social ideas that we've adopted, not even realizing we've adopted them from, from society, from religion, from our parents, um, from TV. And I'm like, how beautiful um, when you allow your kid to, to just narrate and navigate themselves in an intuitive manner. Mm-hmm. And you're intuitive enough as a mom to be like, cool. You know what? I, I couldn't have said it better. It's really, I think you nailed it. Mm-hmm. And that intuitive, I mean, it, it could have gone either way. Many times a kid will tell you who they are and the parent will just reinforce what they want that kid to be. And I probably did it for the first two years. I was just trying to push Penelope into being a really smart, witty, confident girl because I was like oh my god you're like you're a girl you're gonna be a feminist Mm. it's gonna be great (laughs) and I thought that that was what I was raising a feminist but Penelope kept rejecting that and then it became a point where um when Penelope and I sat down and and Penelope like you said came in peace and just said mama I'm not a girl I'm a boy and then I listened to everything Penelope wanted to tell me about himself and it was not what I had thought of Penelope it was a, he, he was a different person. And for some reason, in that moment, I heard him. And I wasn't interested at that point in make, making him into um, a really smart feminist <laughs> female. Now he's a really smart feminist male. Right. <laughs> he's still, he's, I, I think feminism is still the guiding principle in my life and my family. But, yeah, so I think, yes, we, we um, sometimes there's, there's just a moment when it's like nothing else um, is more compelling than just supporting your kid. And I think also like supporting your children, Mm -hmm. um, it has a lot to say with how you support yourself. 
Totally. And mm-hmm. how and how and if you've given yourself the space and the opportunity to to think freely and to be freely. And I think the problem is as adults we don't and we don't allow ourselves we haven't allowed ourselves the freedom to unprogram or to deprogram and unthink the things we've been taught. Like I think a lot of my my the most important part of the podcast for me is mm-hmm. I'd like <clears throat> Sorry, my voice is so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like for everyone everywhere in every any episode to be like, damn, I was taught like this. Mm-hmm. But does that really serve me? Does that really make sense? And we, I think we hold on to things until they no longer serve us. Mm-hmm. right? And it, I would have kept that um, idea going that Penelope was a proud feminist girl who would eventually be a proud feminist woman. But at a, at a certain point, that I... That, that narrative was no longer serving us because Penelope didn't want to live. So who is that serving? Right. right. And so I think when we get to the point where it's no longer serving us, we quickly, hopefully, switch gears. Um, and then it be, it's what you said. It was so interesting about how, you know, that freedom becomes your freedom. I almost saw Penelope, when Penelope was asking me to help him be boy, I was almost hearing it as Jody, help, Jody helping Jody. It was that primal. Like, I could not separate in that moment helping my son and helping myself. So if I had not helped him, it would have been like dropping the ball on myself. Mm. Um, And then from that moment, we were just like, you know, attached for many years um, together going through each day, which was great for Penelope and and problematic, really, because I have five kids. Mm. Oh, right. So they were like, hey, mom, what's up? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, How did your partner at the time deal with? You know, Penelope, one son. I, yeah. Um, we never. Our family never lost love. We're not the um, walk away kind of people. We're not the. Um, we we might have divorces, but we have not really. We don't really sever ties completely. And so I'll say from the Ghanaian family um, on dad's side and my side is Southern, um, Black American. Everyone stayed close to Penelope. Um, Everyone supports Penelope. Some people don't use the word transgender. <laughs> they still haven't. You know, years later, they won't say trans. They do always use the right pronouns. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there's been just we've supported in different ways. I mean, not everyone is an advocate. <laughs> you know right, I mean? right, right, right. So. But they love they love their family for sure. So dad was cool. Dad is 100 percent um, supportive of his son. Um, is hands on every day. Um, you yeah. um, know. I was going to ask you. Oh, so you hadn't had to cut anybody off. Oh, no, I've... I've <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I'm not family members, but, you know, they were, and I was ready to because I kept saying, if you can't um, remember to use the pronouns, then don't come around, right? Right. Damn it, right? Like, just get the pronouns down. Or just take the long route in the converse, in the sentence and don't use any pronouns. Right. Right, like, and that takes an extra five minutes, but that's cool. Just right. say, if Penelope wants a sandwich, can you please get Penelope's okay. sandwich from the cabinet? And Penelope would like to lie in Penelope's bed. Like, don't use any pronouns. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it was more like I took pauses on people that were friends who didn't understand or who wanted me not to talk about it so much or people who thought, um, well, maybe you can do this investigation after you get your marriage together. You know, your marriage is falling apart. Why do you want to add any more stress? So those folks, I was like, it, we'll, we'll have to talk in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because to wait for my marriage to be perfect, it's never going to To tend be. to my child. Right. So you right. would never tell a black family, um, 
you know, let's wait for your marriage to be perfect before you start fighting racism. Because right. it's a fundamental right. in, our, right. in our culture, right? Absolutely. To always stand up. So why do I have to wait for the dynamics of the husband and the wife to be perfect to start standing up for, um, for uh, you know, transphobia? Well, I think, I think it goes back to those roles that mm-hmm. we, there's like this hierarchy of what's important. I mean, obviously yeah, kids sure. are important, but you know, there's a hierarchy of, okay, first get the family dynamic together, the husband and the wife specifically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then yeah. once that falls in line, then the kids will be happy because you're, you guys are happy, right? Yeah. It's like, what are the black, what are, what are um, the hard hitting black topics? And I understand like when I would be in groups and we'd be talking politics, it'd be mass incarceration and uh, police brutality and housing crisis and um, the attack of black men and um, the rape of black women and, you know, I understand what is at stake and I would also put in there that we have to examine the identity of the individual, that each person, that it's a real black topic, it is a real issue for the black community to stop and and pay attention to our identity Mm. and if we don't, um, we are asking for trouble. I think, um, like with when you say identity mm-hmm. and you refer to it as the black community, mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's so powerful because um, even we've been. I feel like because we have such a <clears throat> because there's such a dark history, mm-hmm. we we have we've believe and we've felt like we've had less space yeah. to be more things. Yes. And so now we're in this time and there's this platform where you could be black and queer and that's even mm-hmm. a thing. And black and gay and black and lesbian and even black and goth. Mm-hmm. Because for so long it's just like, just survive just being black. Absolutely. Right. Just go, just, just don't just, get killed. Just be, be black. black. Just be black and be normal. Well, and I think that we had so much, you know, there was there were very clear roads that we were taking and the first road was education. Like, it was through education, we will gain power, we'll gain knowledge, we'll gain a way up and out. And so that was, like, our main goal, right? Right. Like, educate your kids, Mm -hmm. if nothing else. And then there was economic um, development that we were really focused on within the black community. We're still not there, but that that was our focus. And it was always, like, eyes on the prize and, you know, you sort of stay focused on the top goals. But I think as we now are seeing it, if we don't contemplate the identity... Um, we are losing not only children, we are losing entire generations, and families are severing. Families are splitting apart. And so where does that take us if, we, if, if a person has economic stability, but the family is separated? I don't know. Right. Does you know. that, it still doesn't No, nothing solved. <clears throat> so, yeah, we do have these, we have an ability now, or there's a moment now to start looking at all the different identities. And as humans, we have endless identities. So it's just that we've been so consumed um, with surviving as a culture, as a race, that um, we haven't had time. But I, but I was like, Penelope has no more time. Like, I don't have any more time to wait. I'm, I, I need to work on this now, not later, now. So. I mean, fighting hate and ignorance mm-hmm. is all one fight anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say to people who, like, you know, she had the... Penelope had that discussion with you as early as two or three. What do you say to people who associate um, gender identity with sexuality? Oh, it's not. <laughs> it's just a, so a lot of what we're, we're working with is misinformation and lack of information. So I always tell folks, just do some basic um, 101. And there's a book called Transgender 101. <laughs> right? I think it's by, by Nick Tisch. And it's really, we have to understand sexuality, 
um, is one thing. Identity is in the brain. It's a brain process. Identity is in the brain. Presentation is how I present the clothing I wear. Um, who I love is one thing, and how I my organs, my sexual organs, um, are a completely other thing. So I can wear pants and still identify as a woman. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? It's you know, pres- presentation and identity are different. Sexuality, I can. Um, um, be a woman who sleeps with a trans man, um, which, if you think about the the bodies, <laughs> bodies are similar. But I'm a woman who's sleeping with a man because he identifies as a man, I identify as a woman, regardless of what the bodies look like. Right. right. So it's you know it's 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 not as complex as it sounds. We just need to spend some time. Um, the same way we would learn an app on our phone, <laughs> just learn some basic information. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there is no confusion around between sexuality and identity. They're two separate things. How do you identify um, myself? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah, that's a good question. I see myself as woman, um, as black, as mother, as heteronormative in a queer relationship. <laughs> as what is um, heteronormative? I'm he- hetero, heterosexual. Sorry. Okay, got it. I've been living a heterosexual life. Okay. Um, but with heteronormative ideas sort of based in like this heteronormative lifestyle. That's for most of my life I've lived as a heterosexual woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and through the lens of heteronormative, you know, I guess values. But I'm in a queer relationship now, so I don't really know what that makes me. It's just, I, you know, I guess I'm queer as well, mm. in a sense. Um, I think I, my identities are changing. I think they should, they do often shift for people, um, which is new to me, that we, that our identities change. So, whereas I would have never said queer recently, it's a question mark for me mm. because of the relationship I'm in. Um, and also because, you know, when I look at my son and I look at myself, I look back at my son, I look at my daughter, I have a hard time distinguishing or separating between them and me. So, I kind of just see it more as we. Mm-hmm. So, I've just been recently feeling like we are queer, we are straight, we are trans, we are bi, we are pan, we are all of these like. Little labels, sort of the labels, but also the gradations of human existence are somewhere in me. Mm-hmm. I know it sounds really hippy dippy, but <laughs> I'm like I'm, not, I'm like I cannot separate myself from my children. But what I what I what I hear when I think about this and your journey is how beautiful it is that Penelope has really been oh like, transformative for me. Yeah, right like it's so it's so. I mean, our daughters are so young, but like. Every day I feel like, wow, you're my teacher. And in many ways it sounds like Penelope has been that for you. He has. And also because of that, I've I've now opened my eyes to my other kids. So I have a scientist who um, is 13 and he understands life very differently than I do. So he says, look, mom, I will respect my brother. I'll always use the right pronouns. But scientifically, transgender doesn't exist. Like physiologically, Penelope is a girl. And so we have this conversation in my house and we allow for obviously different opinions, different perspectives, different um, truths. And so I'm not forcing him to um, see gender the way I see it. He sees it the way he sees it, through 13-year-old eyes with this limited version of science that he holds. Um, (laughs) Right? And he says, scientifically speaking, Penelope is a girl. And so he's been on that for the last eight years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Penelope has been... Do they, do they have disagreements about it? Or oh, so we have this thing called the lab, and we lab out ideas. Whatever the big ideas are, we put them on the table, and we speak on them for, like, hours at a time. 
to the point where it gets boring. <laughs> you know, like, we don't want to talk about this. We just want to go play basketball. <laughs> but Penelope and his brother are not any closer in agreeing. Penelope's like, I am the only proof you need. It exists because I am here. This is how God has made me. Mm-hmm. And then his brother says, well, God's not proven either. Mm-hmm. This oh, is wow. Oh, like, oh super yeah. Science. It's very literal. So, yeah, and I think, um, so the goal is not to agree. Got it's it. just not to agree. So we just, the goal in my house is to um, debate <clears throat> or discuss with decorum. And that is a, pra- a learned um, uh, muscle. I think that's amazing. That's I, I think that as people, we have to be like, we have to label things and make ourselves understand them mm-hmm. to make it real. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, well, you know, he watches, this person watches this kind of porn. Well, is he gay? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like... No, we just switched to porn. No, well, <laughs> this is a real conversation I've had. <laughs> right. Clearly I've had this conversation. Yeah. <clears throat> and I had to tell my friends, um, everything is not black or white. Everything's mm-hmm. not gay or straight. Everything's not female or male. Right. You know, every pant doesn't mean this or that. So it's just like this spectrum of who we are and mm-hmm. what, like how we identify. There's we're so many things. We're multi-faceted people, multi-dimensional, and so I it, agree. It makes people comfortable to be like, oh, you're a black you put you in a woman, box. bisexual black woman. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like if we look at, at nature, it's really. It, nothing in nature can be described as one of two options, right? Because we like to say, what, you're, what are you? You're either black or white, or you're either straight or gay. One of, one of two. You choose. But if you look at all of nature, to describe a tree, you can't say, well, is it tall or short? To describe the ocean, is it deep or shallow? To describe um, a bird, they're not just fluffy or sleek. They're all kinds of words and languages to describe all aspects of nature. Humans are nature, right? So there's not one of two choices for right. us. There's like way, layers and layers and layers of ways to identify and, and therefore to describe me. Um, and I cannot choose from the two. <laughs> I just can't. Um, it's not full enough. It's not. It's no. not enough. Not enough words. No. With your, with your journey mm-hmm. with Penelope and then later on down the line with your relationship, the people who were supportive of, of you know Penelope, did they did, have you? Did you find a different pushback when you got in that relationship? No, did they accept you differently. No, I mean I'm not, for, I'm not asking for permission, second, right? of course, right? For my friends, um, I'm more in love than um, than I mean I would say that more, I, I would say that I am in love, and people can see that, and that is more than enough for people to understand um, that this is something real, and we're not up for debate. Um, and then it's not, you know, 50, so I'm not rushing into anything. I'm not rushing to have babies. I'm not rushing to move in. Um, we just enjoy each other's company. So, I, no, I haven't had any pushback from my friends. In fact, it's, it's kind of, it's nice to um, see my boyfriend get along with my friends. They're not, most of my friends aren't trans. Um, my girlfriends, my close girlfriends aren't trans. They get along with my boyfriend. Um, my kids get along with my boyfriend. My ex seemed to like him just fine, you know. <laughs> um, so I don't know if that's, be- I, again, I doubt it's because he's trans or because we're cis. I think we're just good folks. Right, right. Yeah. Um, how does, what is that? No, I, and I, but I do understand the question of like, you know, is it hard for people to, it might be easy for people to accept Penelope, who's a kid, where it's still kind of, you know, cute. How old is Penelope? 11. 11. So people really, like, if they can't wrap their head around Penelope being trans, they're like, nah, she's a cute tomboy, mm. which is so far from the truth. But this, in a sick way, 
um, there's a there's a an ease about dealing with children who might not fit into a box yet. But when you look at adults, it sometimes gets more complicated. People want adults to be one of two choices, right? And so there, I would I had guessed that we, maybe we would run into some um, questions from my friends, but no, nothing. No. So as Penelope, I mean, he's about to enter puberty, mm-hmm. or not yet, because. I don't know, 11, 12. How how do you have you guys had that conversation? Like how? Yeah, I have I have that conversation with all my kids. I tell them uh, puberty's coming. <laughs> <laughs> Can't avoid it. Each of you will get taller and smellier and smellier. <laughs> Hair will form in different places. Um, and so I have a kind of a joint conversation with all the kids around puberty. And then I pull each one aside because it's also a private conversation. Nobody really wants to talk about it. <laughs> I I'm fine with talking about it. The kids don't really get into it. Um, and I would say that with all of the stages of mothering, I'm very well versed and very well prepared. So I um, have thought about it for my cis children, for my trans child, for my gender queer kid. Um, I thought about the different ways in which they will move through this world with me. So I know great doctors, I know great therapists, I know great communities, great organizations that will help um, each kid. So I, it's not really specific to Penelope. I'm prepared for all my kids as much as I, I mean, you know, I'm trying to you be try. very prepared yeah. for all of my kids around puberty, around high school, around drugs, around um, world travel, around all the places where they start to um, take steps into the world on their own. Has Penelope decided, I mean, he, sorry, he has not decided yet what he would like to do as far as whether he would go through any sort of, you know, hormonal... Oh, with his body? Yeah, with his body. He's 11. He's only 11. So we just um, are in the 11-year-old stage, which is... He's applying for high schools. So we just got our applications in. I I, I say that because at 11, like, the 11-year-old now versus the 11-year-old when I was 11, Mm -hmm. there's so much more... um, aware of their bodies, aware Mm -hmm. of sex aware yeah. of almost like and also like aware of okay I, I like her I like him you yeah. know and because I think about myself at 11 you know actually I was kind of I was kind of slow no I was kind of fast you were fast I was kind of fast <laughs> I was like oh, well, maybe I was kind of fast but I you know I don't um, it's I think that we we so as a parent of a trans kid I'm like oh, sometimes I'm 10 years spinning 10 years forward in my head because we're always thinking about what if, what if, what if, mm-hmm. what about this year? What about, you know, first ever, you know, it's always, I'm so far ahead sometimes that I'm really trying to be Present. today. Mm-hmm. So today <laughs> we are uh, filling out applications for new schools. Mm-hmm. Today we are working on homework. And behind the scenes, of course, I'm doing research and I'm looking at different doctors and I'm looking at different therapists and I'm looking at different camps and I'm looking at different communities that will support the individual needs of my kids. But when Penelope, most of the time, Penelope and I are working on today because it's important to have him, just as all of our kids, not have so much fear about the future. And I'm sort of skirting the issue because it's Penelope's private space. And I, um, But I think that as parents, we have to prepare ourselves first for the work that our children need us to do. Um, and then when our kids get there, we'll be ready for them. So... I'm, I'm ready for the turn and the twist that puberty will take with every one of my kids. That's beautiful. 
I mean, I, I think that your perspective and your experience is one that so many can relate to, but they don't really, they are not, they're not ready to open themselves up to it. Um, I hope that whoever's listening, if they're experiencing, you know, something similar that, you know, they can find, I don't know, how, how, how did your journey go as far as like, educating yourself was it just yeah. googling was I it did. attending I did like, a lot of googling a lot of like conversations mm-hmm. and conventions and just first I spent nights on my own um, just doing the research like going on the internet on the, on the world wide web mm-hmm. and typing in words typing in free key phrases um Malcolm Gladwell says 10,000 hours to become an expert so mm-hmm. I was like I will put 10,000 hours into this because I was starting from negative right I had no information so I Googled a lot, I researched a lot, I read some books. Um, then I followed the paths of different doctors. Um, and then I found um, um, groups of families that would gather once a month and sit and talk as parents, right? And then groups for the children that would sit and talk and hang out. So that sort of formed community for me because I wasn't a part of the LGBT community. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm now, I work with um, the Ackerman Institute Gender and Family Project, which is based in New York. I'm the board chair for the Human Rights Campaign Foundation, which is our largest LGBT organization in America. Um, I work with Mount Sinai as they start to develop their transgender department. Um, I've, I've, I, I work with a, um, a camp for trans families of trans uh, kids, mm-hmm. sleepaway camp. So I've literally just spent my time. You immersed yourself. Expanding my my um, community exactly. So like you know. So my parents did. They they sent me to Spelman College, right? So I could understand what being a black woman was about um, from from within the community, right? Not from media. And so if I want to understand, um, and if I want my child to be uh, confident, then I have to be around gender nonconforming folks, and I've got to be around trans people. And I and I didn't know them, so I had to go and find them, right? And they weren't lost, of course. <laughs> but I had to expand my community so that um, Penelope wasn't the only trans person I knew. Which right. is right. literally how it was for for you know first three years of his life. I, I think that like obviously the explore like diving into the community and finding community is so important. But even like when you're saying about listening to Penelope, imagine just listening to your kids in the most simplest form. I was around my friend and his son, and his, his son was playing with my daughter's doll, mm. and he snatched it from him and scolded him, mm. and he started to cry, and I literally got so irritated. I don't know if I've ever spoken to that friend again. Mm. Um, it bothered me bad, and I just realized, like, damn, like, I don't know, he's a black guy, and I'm like, is this just like a... a Black people think no. Like, like boys better take off those heels, or you better not put on that dress, or you don't better play with those babies. Mm-hmm. You don't play with no makeup. And I'm just like, it's a child. It's a blank palette. It has nothing there. <laughs> you know, like how dare you make an outline and make them draw in the lines? And I was just, and just listening to this conversation, like not even just in this, in a trans way, but like. That, that person, could, that little boy could be a designer. He could be a, a, a midwife. He could be I a, mean, what if, what if David Bowie, someone told David Bowie, stop putting on makeup, stop listening to that music. Prince. To, Prince, you know what I mean? Like, so Who I think we? that we, we've, we've said there are a few people that we allow for them to be expressive, right? But why only a few? Like my kid, multiple children in my home are extremely expressive in ways that aren't typical. And I like that. I allow for that. 
But I'm, you know, I'm not into this idea that we have to be um, that there are only a few David Bowies and princes. <laughs> right. Special case. Yeah. Special I mean, they cases. are phenomenal folks, <laughs> right. but like um, our kids are phenomenal. And I think they would be more um, apt to explore if we encourage that. How, has Penelope experienced any bullying? I mean, I know you go, I know you've you've sought out schools that mm-hmm. are supportive, and you know you try to provide spaces where he can feel supported. But inevitably, we live in a wild For world, sure. and I just wonder how, if, mm-hmm. and how he or you have navigated him through. We've had some. Um, so his school is very supportive. The principal, um, and it really just takes one person to set a tone. The principal set the tone. Um, early on that we, we that the school accepts Penelope, that the school accepts all children, and the school supports Penelope, and the school supports all children, and if parents weren't um, comfortable with that, they should leave, because that was the culture of, their, of the school. Mm. So, in general, our school's been phenomenal. Of course, there's some kids that had questions, um, and I thought there were more questions than bullying. But that was just the, the way I interpreted it. So the kids said to Penelope, oh, I saw you on Facebook. You're really a girl. I saw you wearing a dress. We can't be your friend anymore. Um, somebody might have thought that was a, you know, a, a, a soft bullying. But I said, Penelope, this is your friend. Um, I think you should go back to school tomorrow and address your friend. So Penelope went back to school and said, you know, I don't really know about Facebook. My mom doesn't really let me on social media. But I'm a boy. Uh, my mom used to dress me in dresses. She thought I was a girl. Um, I like math, you know me, I'm really good, um, you know, with Beyblading, when I get back to being friends, <laughs> and the kid was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> All right, sounds good. Right, it wasn't, it wasn't complicated. Talk. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't um, aggressive bullying that we've, we've never experienced that in school. Um, but I do think that a lot of what we are experiencing is a few people protecting our space. So I think if I didn't have this principle that really safeguarded our space, I might have felt it more. I think if I didn't have um, some of the best aunties, you know, sort of scaffolding around my family, I might have felt it more. I don't feel it. It might exist, but I just don't feel it. I have people sort of entering spaces either before me or before Penelope and clearing the space. Mm. Here comes my friend. Mm. She's got a trans kid. Or here comes Penelope. He's a trans boy. And I did that for a long time. I sort of walked two steps before Penelope, introduced ourselves, and checked to see if everyone's cool with that. Mm. And now my friends do it for me. So um, we, you know, do I have, do we have bullies around us? I'm sure, but I don't really see them. I don't feel them as much. Do you think living in New York City, too? Is, yeah. I'm uh, in Bed-Stuy. Like, people are like, it's just our neighborhood. Yeah. You know, I live in, I live in a real neighborhood um, where... Um, our main concern is like, have you slept? Have you swept your brownstone stairs? Mm. Have you cleaned up the leaves? You know, are you taking out your garbage? Are you friendly? They're not concerned with how Penelope identifies. Right. Yeah. It's beautiful. It is really beautiful. I really, I appreciate you coming and telling your story. Thank you. Um, I want to ask one one more thing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I know you said like in the first two years of Penelope's life before she was could talk. Mm-hmm. Was there anything you sensed as a mom, like your intuition that was like, off? oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so he, when he was f- within the first f- first year, he was um, disruptive. So, you know, he, he came out very healthy and bubbly and inquisitive, but by the first year, he was crying a lot. 
Um, any touch to the body was strange to him. Changing a diaper was met with, you know, screams. Um, in fact, it was so awkward that I would have to call dad for backup. Like, you'd have to kind of hold Penelope down while I changed the diaper. It's very uncomfortable. Dressing was difficult. Brushing hair was difficult. Brushing teeth was difficult. Putting on a diaper was difficult. Come to find out, girl toothbrushes have princesses. Mm, and mm. boy toothbrushes have chucks. Right. Right? Diapers are the same. Everything was gendered. And, and Penelope would just be swatting dresses out of my hand and, like, stomping on the Mary Janes and, like, breaking the pink hangers that I had bought for Penelope. It got to the point where I was, anything that was pink, I just took a black marker and I was, like, blacking out pink. Mm. Pink, pink stitching. Mm. <laughs> pink teaser. I was just, like, get rid of all the pink in the house because pink became this enemy. And Penelope had become a real um, angry kid and a bully pushing kids around. So those were the signs that I thought, I saw those signs, but I thought, okay, Penelope needs longer naps. Penelope's tired. <laughs> um, Penelope needs, uh, maybe Penelope has a dairy allergy. <laughs> oh my God. We took out dairy. No, we were literally like, okay, what as a parent should we do? Right. Hug more, sleep more, change the diet, um, spend more time, slow down the pace, you know, let Penelope feel how loved Penelope is. And those are the, the, that was the, 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 those are the things that I was used to doing as a mom. And so I, put, I went in overdrive. It didn't change anything. And actually, Penelope got worse. Um, some of the things that helped were cutting hair into a mohawk, um, wearing sneakers, uh, blue jeans. They helped a little bit, but literally by age three, Penelope had become just a real pissed off kid. Reoccurring nightmares, bedwetting, nail biting, till bloody. So yeah, I, I saw what was going on. I saw signs, but I was unaware of what they meant. Um, and, until, she couldn't, and he couldn't express it. Right, for the first and the beginning. Right. The so language, that was the, the body right. physically expressing it was the only way Penelope could talk it. Right. Um, and then by three, I finally sat down, Penelope, and I said, okay, what's wrong? Why are you so angry? And that was the turning point because Penelope said, um, well, because everyone thinks I'm a girl. And I'm not. So I thought, okay, we have a f- lesbian or a feminist or something. <laughs> I was like, you know, Penelope is recognizing that this world oftentimes... Um, favors boys and maybe Penelope wants to be seen as tough mm-hmm. so Penelope's like saying I'm a boy so I said okay however you feel is fine baby if you feel like your brothers go ahead and act like a boy and then Penelope said the words that really just changed it for me no mom I don't feel like a boy I am a boy so clear so clear mm-hmm. right. so clear you said something in your TED Talk that stood out to me. Um, it said, it's my job as a parent to create the exact environment where happiness can grow. Mm-hmm. And that really spoke to me because, well, first of all, I, 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 obviously it's always our goal to create exact environment. Is it always possible? Mm-hmm. No. But I, but I understood what you, I understood what you said. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's so important and it's so true and it really starts with listening. Yeah. You have to listen. For we sure. have to listen as parents. Our children are constantly trying to tell us things, even when they can't vocalize them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and a lot of that too starts with you and being, you as a parent, being able to listen to your own intuition and, and not question it. And I think I've talked a lot about me this year and ta- and trusting my intuition and trusting what I'm feeling and also trusting what my child is feeling as well. And I think as women, like, and as, as mothers, really as mothers, um, 
if you can do that, I mean, it's a key you, element you in unlock, my life. You just unlock yeah. the beauty of of parenthood, mm-hmm. motherhood, humanhood. <laughs> We're portals, you know. We're here to deliver the souls. We're not here to make them. You know, <laughs> they come and they're who they are. Right. If we, we could make them, it might be a lot easier, but we cannot. We cannot. <laughs> and and, and we I, cannot. I feel like kids, um, kids choose their parents. Mm-hmm. And you know, Penelope chose you. Because How he lucky knew, I am, yeah. yeah, he knew we were gonna fight. I think the idea of like you know make, creating the exact environment for happiness it's, it seems very um, lofty and, and maybe impossible. But what I was trying to say was that there's all this debris in the way of our children, right? And so they're on these paths, and then there's like this clutter. Sometimes it's clothing, right? That's cluttering the space. Sometimes it's family tradition that's cluttering the space. Sometimes it's um, sexism, or there's just stuff in the way of our children. And if we, it is our job to clear that out of the way so that they can just kind of experience life and walk down all the paths. You know, sometimes we're like, nope, not that path, this path, right? Mm-hmm. Let, let them walk down all the paths, experience life. Um, but what you said was that we have to understand who they are first. The first thing is they have to tell us who they are. We have to encourage our children to tell us who they are. Then we have to, underst- then we have to sit with that. Right? Because it, it's not always what we want, right. but it takes a second to sit with that, sit with the idea of who they actually are, and then allow them to, to travel these roads. And our job, I just saw myself as a sweeper. I would just be sweeping the roads clear for Penelope and now for all my children. Just sweep the roads so they could just traverse, right? It's an exhausting job. <laughs> but once you start, then you bring in your aunties and your best friends, and they start helping you, and you your work tribe. together. And it's like, yeah, it's your tribe. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, thank you for what you do. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks uh, for this conversation. It was really more than I um, expected. I'm glad. Yeah. For me too. <clears throat> I'm, I don't know if people realize like um, the Black trans community is like the number one highest, mm-hmm. um, one like the number one highest murder. Or we there's an attack on Black trans women. Mm-hmm. Um, more than twenty have been murdered, um, and we're and they're being murdered not by trans folks. <laughs> they're being murdered by cisgender. Um, people. So folks who don't understand, oftentimes folks who know them, mm-hmm. men, cis men, mm-hmm. are, are murdering um, trans, black trans women. And so we have um, demonized and criminalized trans folks the same way America demonized and criminalized black folks. And we have an attack on black trans folks now because we have seen them as something strange and something dangerous. When in fact Penelope is not dangerous, <laughs> and it's it's um it's something that makes Penelope terrified. It makes me terrified to know that. Uh, I mean, in Florida, I was just in Jacksonville, Florida. I think they had five of those murders. Mm. You know. Wow, that's why it's so important that mm-hmm. we gain understanding and acceptance and love for each other. Yeah. So. And when we accept early, so many of the complications just get eliminated. I mean, it's all, it's all about um, accepting folks' identities as early as possible so that we can just let it be. And be. And be. Uh, and be having ourselves. conversations with our kids, whether they identify as cis, oh, trans, yeah. having the conversation because they're actually inevitably they're going to encounter <laughs> yeah. someone yeah. and they're going to be like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Why didn't we have this conversation? Yeah. What's, what and you know, and, I, and as, a, as a parent, I kind of want to be in, in somewhat control of that, of that narrative so someone else isn't and then gives my, my child misinformation. misinformation and then she's out in the world, you know, 
hating or judging something that because she doesn't not really familiar. understand. And I think it's not like the the idea is not to insist that our children uh, agree or disagree. Like Pinnell and his brother don't agree. Mm-hmm. I don't think that brother is going to. In the, it, it, when they're adults, vote against Pinnell, right? right, right. I don't I think in, in, in the end, they will have lived together, they will experience life together, they might not see eye to eye on gender, but they will have learned to live um, collectively with different opinions, right. different ideas. So I think that's the goal. Like if we can just talk about it with our children um, and put it on the table, we will equip them with this mental flexibility that is essential. It's essential in life. Mm-hmm. How flexible can we be around big ideas? And Honestly, teaching kindness. Yeah. Love. There's not, there's not enough of I it. I wish I could teach. I mean, my boys are so. <laughs> I wish they were more kind to each other. Um, I just, they're, they're constantly fighting on the basketball court. <laughs> um, but yes. Um, well, can you tell our listeners where they can find you? Sure. So I have a website. It's jodypatterson.com. J-O-D-I-E, Patterson, two T's.com. I'm on Instagram, Jody Patterson. Uh, my book is called The Bold World. I have a children's book coming out called Born Ready, Yay. which is from Penelope's perspective. That's amazing. Yeah. And so did he help you write that? Yeah, I've got, I mean, it's, yes, absolutely. Each kid had um, a say-so in the dialogue and in the direction of the book. Awesome. He and his brothers, yeah. So cool. Um, all right, you guys. Well, you can find us at goodmoms underscore bad choices on Instagram. Make sure you join our newsletter at goodmomsbadchoices.com. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thank Bye. you so much. Bye. Bye. I'm gonna rain.